Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, leaders, and lifelong learners with the hope of deconstructing some of the stereotypes around education. My objective as a teacher is to focus on the passion, humanity, and hope around education and to provide a platform for the myriad of voices that have something to say and teach us all. If you would like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at educatinglaura. Hello everyone, thank you for deciding to spend a little bit of time with me today. This episode is a day late, I do apologise, coming out on the 16th of November. I have Jin and Sabina, two recently graduated high school students from New South Wales who have developed an anti-racist kit. So a series of resources available for schools and individuals to try and not just distance ourselves from racism, but be actively anti-racist and shift the mindset and the perspectives of you know the internalized racism that we seem to experience a bit here in Australia it's conversations like this that I am privileged enough to have with people on the podcast as well as students in my classroom that really excite me and reinforce the reason that I work with young people they see the world in a way that I can no longer see it again as somebody who has had different experiences and lived a longer life, but it also shows me how exciting it is to be young and to support those people at this time in their lives. And it it really is such a privilege. And you'll hear from both Sabina and Jin today. And I mean, it feels like the world is in really good hands when you see young people at high school wanting to make this kind of change. We are very heavily in term four in Victoria, moving into reporting It has been quite a challenging time with COVID. Schools around me have been closing based on being close contacts and daycare centres have been closing. And so, you know, even though we are back, there are still people having to take time out. I remember before my year 12 sat the exams, they said to me, what happens if there's a COVID case? And all I could say to them to try and remove some of that anxiety was, Just take it one day at a time. And I think that that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm sure that I'm not alone in doing that. I wanted to impart a little story before getting into the episode. And I am not sure how much I've spoken about this on the podcast, but the remote learning time has been a real challenge for my eight students. And look, their first two years of high school have been in and out of remote quite significantly. And it has had, you know, not a great impact on them. And I was really starting to question my methods in terms of discipline because I I felt innately that they needed to be protected and I needed to be compassionate and empathetic. And I wondered this year if I'd if I'd been a little soft, you know, maybe I should have been a bit more of an authoritarian this year because I have had some behaviour challenges that I haven't had in a really long time in teaching and we're moving into early commencement quite soon my year eights know that they won't be having me next year I'm not teaching year year nine or middle school at all and the comments that I got were things like oh no we're going to get a teacher now that yells at us or oh we're going to get a teacher now that doesn't listen to our stories or I actually had one student say to me you know it's taken me this year to trust you I'm sad that you know, I'm going to get a teacher that I don't trust. And I don't believe 
that they're going to get a teacher that screams and yells at them. But it really made me kind of feel validated in the fact that I hadn't been super harsh with them. I felt like they needed a safe place this year. And as I said, I questioned it at times because the behavior issues have been challenging. But that feedback at the end of the year to know that they did feel taken care of, they did feel seen, they did feel protected in some way by me, nurtured in some way by me. It kind of just made me think, okay, I have made the right decision because, you know, I certainly have been questioning it. And if you are a new teacher, you will have these moments all the time, you know, have I done it the right way? Have I taken the right stance? You know, hopefully you get those moments like I did recently where you go, no, I did make the right call. That is the right thing that that I have decided to do. Anyway, just thought I'd share that little thing. I'm going to hand the conversation over to Jin and Sabina from the Anti-Racism Kit. And again, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it on social media, tag me at Educating Laura and Jin and Sabina at the Anti-Racism Kit. Please rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it on, follow and or subscribe based on whether you're with Apple or Spotify. And I will see you in two weeks. Hello, Sabina and Jin. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. I'd like to start by asking you to describe yourself as students because ultimately it was throughout the student journey that you decided to create this really impactful resource that we'll get into in a moment. But I'd like to know what you were like as students. Yeah, what was I like as a student? Um, I guess like bookish I suppose I was yeah I was definitely bookish as a student and I guess like in high school I just really liked getting involved with like um you know community kinds of things and just like learning about like you know student activism and yeah I guess like those are the kinds of spaces that I liked to get into with like extracurriculars and that kind of thing so yeah what about you Jin? For me I think socially I was like a wanderer so let me clarify what I mean I've like moved between countries a bunch of times growing up. I, I was born in Korea, then our family moved to Australia, and then we moved back to Korea, and then we moved back to Australia. And while we were moving, we also moved schools a bunch of times. And that gave me a lot of, I think, experience in like meeting a lot of new kinds of people. And so I've never really had like a fixed friend group. I was always the type to like just hang out with a bunch of different friends. And it exposed me, and I think part of that exposed me to like anti-racism and forms of social activism or social issues that I started caring about. But generally, yeah, I was like a, I was always like eating at different like lunch tables. I was like always into like interested in the humanities. Can you describe, this is an education podcast, a lot of teachers listen. Was there an educator or a teacher that had an impact on you as a student that maybe changed your trajectory or made you feel as though, you know, you were quite an empowered individual in any way? Yeah, I had like some immediate people that come to mind. I think for me, teachers were so important. They really guided, I guess, my growth. Especially for me, I think it was a lot of English teachers. Mm-hmm. I was always really interested in literature and I like to discuss ideas kind of out of class and bring them up. So so one teacher in particular in year eight, she was really encouraging of me to look more into like history and there was a time when I wasn't really I guess like engaging with the class material as much as I should have that she like took me aside and she was talking to me about how she thought I had more potential and I think like conversations like that really helped 
but it was also like a myriad of teachers in high school that were just incredibly supportive they just checked in on not just like my class and how I was going academically but kind of who I was and just like what was going on in my life outside of school so teachers were just yeah they were very formative for me and you're saying that it's those like incidental conversations the conversations that weren't always about the curriculum that allowed you to feel supported to feel as though you were cared for and therefore that supported your then interest potentially because you felt as though that teacher cared about you absolutely there was like a teacher that uh, I remember started off their first class just saying like arrange yourselves in order and this was for English and we had no idea what that meant he said nothing else and then he just waited until we figured something out and we were just very confused and someone was quite angry as to what he was doing but then he was a very interesting person and when I was like reading some short stories he would recommend some others seeing that I was interested and you know, he would raise some thought-provoking things like how does a fish know that it's like in water and, and stuff like that. And I think it's things that went beyond just, you know, simply teaching us in class that made me want to do things a bit better. Also just gave me the space to grow. Yeah. What about you, Sabina? Oh, yeah, I guess like same as Jin, like there's been so many like important teachers throughout high school. Um, Yeah, most are like, if not all of them have been like humanities teachers as well. Uh, there are two teachers that come to mind for me. Miss Edwards, who was my economics teacher for years 11 and 12. And I guess like besides being a teacher that I saw very often, um, she was very supportive of what I got up to like outside of the classroom. And I think like what was very interesting about um, my economics teacher was that she was very, she was all about like self-care and like just taking the time to like pause and actually like reflect on like how you're feeling and what you're doing which sadly I feel like isn't a very like common thing mm. that we see, right? Like when you're teaching, it's like the focus is like, oh God, why isn't this student getting this right? Like, oh my gosh, this student is behind. How are we going to catch them up while everyone else is ahead? That kind of thing. But yeah, it was just very nice to have like, um, like a figure who sort of like was actually concerned about like what you were doing outside of the classroom. And I think like the other big figure for me would probably be... Miss Turco, who was my English teacher, I guess she was like a mentor for me um, throughout year 12, because like in New South Wales, when you're in year 12, you can sort of like take up extra English classes where you could sort of like write your own, um, be it critical essay or like short story. So basically, Miss Turco was sort of like my mentor throughout that whole process. And I guess it was just really nice to have someone who was also from like a migrant background who'd be able to, I guess, guide me. Okay. I want you to tell me a bit more about that statement, having someone with a similar background and how impactful that was. I mean, ultimately, we're going to be talking about the anti-racist kit that you have created as students. How important is it for you to see yourself in the things that you watch, in the people that educate you, in the people in power? How important is that? Personally, I think it's very important, right, because I guess, like, the more you see yourself and, like, I guess, like, different forms of media – I guess it's like a reminder of like what you could be, mm. you know, as like a person of color, right? When you look at society, it's almost like, you know, you have to be this, you have to be within this kind of like category. But when you see yourself being represented in, I guess, like, you know, different types of media, books, shows, that kind of thing, it reminds you of like, yeah, what's sort of like out there and what could actually happen. So yeah, um, I do think it's very important to see I, yeah, I do think it's very important for young people of colour to see themselves everywhere, I suppose. What about you, Jim? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with what Sabina was saying. 
I think for me though, I didn't really have many teachers that were people of color oddly. And I think it's really important also to have teachers who are like white allies. The English teacher that I had in year 12, Mrs. Ostini, she's, she's just incredible. When I mentioned things like the anti-racism kit, and when we were studying Richard III and we were talking about Shakespeare and Othello as well, she would be very conscious of my interest in like post-colonial history and anti-racism and try to guide me with, you know, questions and thoughts that would let me think more deeply and carefully about those issues. Mm. So yeah, I think in the ideal world, I would have mentors or people of color that I could listen to and look up to. I didn't have that, but even those white teachers were just, I think, incredible and also growing me as a person. So allyship and understanding that people that perhaps don't look like they might understand make it clear that they do or at least try to understand or try to make connections as best they can? I think so. And it's also conscious that like as a just really understanding the, the privilege you have as a white person and when you're explaining things and the context behind things, be careful in thinking about those. For example, our history department, I think, was good in when they were teaching World War II to be very, mm. very careful about the way they talked about the Holocaust because okay. it's not something you can just... I guess, objectify or quantify in terms of impact, make very big generalizations about because it involves the lived experiences of many people. When we're reading books written by um, authors that are people of color, I guess the cultural subtext behind a lot of them, like Nam Lee's short story, which is something many students in New South Wales study in, um, in year 12. I think when you're approaching those, not approaching as if you know everything, you know, listening more to the students and their perspectives about their backgrounds could, could be helpful. I agree. I want to bring up, on your website, it says, Fast recently graduated high school students of colour. We support anti-racism because we're not happy to settle for not being racist. I would love you to tease out the difference because I don't think a lot of people in society maybe understand that there is a difference about being not racist and being anti-racist. So, Sabina, I might start with you. Why is that so important to you to shift that? I don't know. The way that I thought about it is like, say there's like a fire, right? If you if you kind of just like stand by and think of like, oh, I didn't cause the fire, I shouldn't do anything about it. Well, it's not exactly going to fix things, right? Like it's still going to burn, mm. right? So there's like a difference between like letting the fire kind of just like burn and like actually trying to put it out. So I think that for me was sort of like the way I came to like understand the I, I guess like the distinction between like not being racist and being anti-racist, right? Mm-hmm. Like in order for us to actually see things change and shift, we need to actually take steps towards actually like addressing the issue. So Jin, I'd love to find out when did this anti-racist kit, when did this begin and what was your big why behind it? Why you felt you needed to create this and put it out into the world? The big why for us was there weren't any actionable accessible anti-racism resources for Australian high school students. And the way we kind of discovered that and decided to act on that, Sabina and I had worked on other, I guess, grassroots anti-racism activities in the past. And through that, I think we realized there are a lot of high school students that care about this, but also there aren't many really clear ways that high schoolers can act on it. Anti-racism is one of those strange things where almost everyone I think you, you meet will say, yeah, I, I'm you know, not racist. I I do not support racism. But at the same time, it's very difficult to then translate that into action. So we tried to find everything that was actionable to answer the so what um, of what you should do and put that into a condensed resource. So that happened like mid last year over lockdown in year 12. And then after we graduated, we started to try to make this a bit more structured and 
I guess from there, our journey kind of took off. So how much of this has been you understanding things from a personal level and putting those into action and how much has it been research? Sabina, I might give you that question. Ooh, I feel like it definitely depends on which section, like say, um, you know, for things like unlearning, like in- like internalized racism, for those kinds of sections, like a lot of it would be informed by, I guess, like, you know, our personal experiences as young people of color. Mm. But I guess like, you know, acknowledging like, you know, as Asian people of color, there's only so much that we can like understand about like how racism impacts us, right? Yeah, I mean, it's important to acknowledge that people of color, we're not monoliths. We all experience race very differently. Mm. So it was really important to, you know, be aware of that when we were, when we were sort of like forming uh, the sections within society, right? I guess like some of like the main like societal issues that we address within our society section for the kit would be things like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice, as well as refugee rights, you know? And, you know, when you're not part of those communities, it's super important to not just like research, but also to actually reach out to people within those spaces and actually involve them within, I guess, like the the redevelopment process for the anti-racism kit, so yeah. How willing were people to get involved with you? Yeah, like we've gotten like a lot of like positive feedback and yeah, mostly people were very like enthusiastic to sort of to be brought on board and to actually like guide us with how to yeah, revamp the resource. Very good. Jin, what are you really hoping that this kit will do long term? Long term, I guess it's kind of simple. It's just we want to reduce racism in Australian society by a lot. <laughs> mm. I think our model of trying to get that change to happen is a bit different. It's something that was missing, which was anti-racism was thought of as something, you know, high school teachers should implement in some way. Like it should go from the teachers to the students. But we really believe in the power of young people of color to make this change happen themselves. Like I think just the passion that a lot of these people have is just really, really inspiring to us. And we think that's how we're going to be able to ultimately get it. It starts with, I guess, younger people, and then it ultimately transforms Australian society broadly. The issue that educators have is being seen to be indoctrinating or to be pushing their own views or to, yeah, have views that maybe are personal and therefore we are very highly regimented by a curriculum to ensure that that personal element doesn't come in. But as we know, as teachers and students, the personal is what creates the best educators, right? So I think that the beauty of having a student voice at the center of this takes away that concern of indoctrination and, you know, propaganda or whatever that unfortunately people can be concerned about in education. I'd love to hear about how much agency you felt or how much you believe students are really heard in schools. Just before I answer that question about agency, I just wanted to bring that back up about students and feeling empowered. Mm. One of my teachers as well, just going back to that, like, I, like seriously, my high school teachers are just incredible. I owe so much to them. They recommended Pedagogy of the Oppressed to me, and that really changed how I thought about education. And that goes exactly in line with what you're saying. Mm. But an email we received recently also just resonates with that because I'm not going to mention the name, but just to read the email. It says, mm, please. hi, I know you've just recently launched, so I hope I'm not bombarding the emails, but this is the most excited I've been about something in a very long time. Due to anxiety around change, I never left my high school when the racism started around year eight. It's something that I've been dealing with all the way up to almost, thanks COVID, graduating this year. A resource like this is what my school 
and many others desperately needs to help end stories like mine in future years. So thank you for developing the most exciting thing I've seen all week. So this email made us pretty happy, not to you know, yeah. your own horns, but like, we were like really glad that, you know, this is the kind of reaction we were getting from high school students. So yeah, I think it's super important that students feel agency. How much did I feel? I thought um, when I was trying to do some action, there was maybe sometimes not enough trust given to young people as a young person to get some initiatives done or things like that. But from my experience, for the most part, people were actually quite supportive, I think. And I'm really glad for that. What about you, Sabina? I think, yeah, similar to Jin, right? Like, usually um, when students try and launch their own initiatives, it's like, yeah, the student body, like, they're generally, like, pretty supportive. Even the teachers are pretty supportive, but they just can't, like, openly support it because of, like, say, like, government guidelines and stuff. But I guess, yeah, from what I've seen, like, throughout high school, it's, like, a lot of, like, initiatives, they just might, like, there'll be so much, like, preparation for them, but they might just not get yeah get off the ground because of like government policies right and it's sort of like this is considered a controversial issue you cannot do something like this within the student body and it's sort of like you know lots of students just trying to find like loopholes or like ways around it that kind of thing so yeah um i guess like in terms of like agency and support it's like usually the people themselves are quite supportive but it's like just the space itself doesn't just doesn't allow for a lot of like initiatives and projects to like really take off. So, Let's yeah. talk about that controversial space. You're right. That got me really thinking because I think what you're saying, Spina, is right. Because the weird thing I felt in high school is one way I did actually feel like I didn't have maybe that freedom or choice to be able to do what I wanted was the way schools deal with mm-hmm. when students are passionate about political issues. I think when students are passionate about that, it should be like something that is grown and nurtured. Politics isn't a form of like indoctrination or something that's just like really strange and narrow-minded. It's essentially, there was a quote about like social justice, which is just that it's love in the public space. That's what it is. And that's what politics is as well. It's, It's students kind of growing what they strongly believe in and thinking about issues on a broader level, the way like citizens should when they start to vote and stuff, you know, but Schools don't support that for some reason. Schools don't let students be absent when it comes to climate change strikes. When you're vocally anti-racist in terms of policies that need to be fixed in Australia, which are numerous and very problematic, then that's also kind of frowned upon. And I think mm-hmm. teachers may, might be teachers should be a little bit more supportive when it comes to that. I'm trying to in my head, trying to work out as a teacher, I can already start to feel the issues within the teaching community regarding some of those things that you're mentioning. And mainly is what I said before about the fact that society is very concerned about teachers indoctrinating students or putting their own personal views onto students because that is, and it's I, it's not our job. It really isn't our job. But what you're suggesting is a safe space in which students can get to know and understand different elements of politics, policy. Exactly. And ask questions. And so those spaces should not be about necessarily what party to vote for, but understanding what these parties and what, you know, and policies in our particular country actually mean. Yeah. And we can't even divorce like our school curriculum from that as well. Like history is inherently political. English is inherently political. So I don't think it's consistent to say teachers can't be helping students talk about these issues, think through these issues, because that's kind of what they already do. And I think they do a fantastic job of it. Very few teachers, like no teacher I've met has tried to indoctrinate me in that way. So yeah, I think maybe like thinking and 
you know, conversations around that need to shift a bit. I agree. And it's nice to hear actually, because I think that teachers know that, but they also feel quite bound by external perspectives, perhaps. I'd like to ask you best experiences in education. Like what do you really feel as though the education system is getting right? I guess like relative to other education systems, I think the Australian education system kind of encourages like more discussions and critical thinking. So I think like, yeah, that is something that I appreciate about the Australian education system. Cause like in other countries, like I come from the Philippines um, with like my experiences and my sister's experiences, it's like, you know, other education systems are very focused on just like rote learning and just like, you know, like teacher tells student, student regurgitates yeah. it onto paper. But whereas I find that in Australia, it's like a bit more different. Mm-hmm. In that sense. Yeah. What about you, Jean? What do you think the Australian education system is getting right? Yeah, this is a huge question. Um, so uh, <laughs> I a bit lost. But uh, the thing is, I think my answer is kind of limited to like my personal experiences. I think for sure, that's fine. You're saying it's it's like I guess less less stressful. I think. I mean, there's already a lot of talk about the HSE being stressful, but I think comparative to a lot of other countries and things like university admissions, it's still better I would say. What do you think really needs to change? I think the biggest thing that needs to change I actually have like two thoughts on this one is it needs to encourage students that are more intellectually curious to do like to do more because of the way at mm-hmm. least New South New South Wales the HSC system works it doesn't reward you for taking more subjects or you know maybe taking classes that go beyond the HSC like I personally was really interested in some of the classes I did and I just kind of had to take more classes than 10 and potentially sacrifice a bit of my final score because of that. I think the second thing is to do with like more equity. I graduated from a private school, but Mm -hmm. I think the difference between the resources that private schools have, and I might also kind of put in well-donated selective schools as well there versus public schools, it's like a huge gap. And so the opportunities that I had are very different to the ones that a lot of my friends did. And I think, you know, that needs to be reformed um, significantly. What about you, Sabina? What do you think needs to change? Yeah, 100% um, when it comes to equity. Like, I think that there just needs to be so much change around, like, how we sort of, like, distribute resources between different schools because it's just, like, it's so, like, unfortunate, right, to just, you know, live within, like, a particular postcode and that kind of just determines, like, how many resources you guys are going to be getting because I guess like, yeah, I went to like a public school and had many friends who went um, you know, to public schools, like, you know, on either side of the latte line. And it's very disheartening to see that, you know, there's so many like talented young people out there, but it's just like, yeah, depending on which school you went to, that totally shifts like what kinds of opportunities you have access to. So I think that changing like how we address equity within the Australian education system is like super super important because well yeah all students kind of deserve to have access to those opportunities and resources so yeah considering you've just created an anti-racist kit in which you're putting actionable steps to something like a very very big controversial issue how do you think we take steps towards that kind of equity oh that is another really tough question yeah. i guess like when, yeah when it comes to um taking steps towards equity, right? I feel like there's only so much we can 
do i guess like on an individual level right because a lot of this stuff is like determined at like the very top so i think like in the end like a lot of the i guess like impactful actions we can take would probably towards like yeah the kinds of political spaces that we are privy to mm. as well as you know any existing campaigns that sort of so yeah that sort of like address this inequity within the education system and what do you think jin the steps maybe aren't that complicated it would probably be things like funding public schools a lot more than they are now uh reducing the subsidies that private schools are given i th- i think the solutions in terms of distribution like redistribution aren't that complicated maybe the complicated part is getting public opinion to shift on that or getting politicians to act about that and that is more about awareness i think and um getting the kind of massive support that you need for it and it's quite similar to anti-racism for us we have mm-hmm. i'm just going to bring that up yeah you know, we have self schools and society it it first begins with you yourself thinking through your own behaviors your attitudes and examining whether you are being anti-racist and then when you've kind of quote unquote you know sorted yourself out <laughs> um then you can move on to getting changed on schools and in schools you can create you can really see the impact of what you're doing you can start discussions and conversations you can speak at assembly about anti-racism you can create an anti-discrimination statement so that your school is held accountable to instances of racism but then once you start to do this you have no choice really but to see the broader network of racism which is all in society same thing with i think what you were just talking about um with inequality in education well the thing is it still it still comes down to this in a way a caste system doesn't it you know that's in segregating people and if you feel as though you have less it makes things difficult and i'm assuming that uncovering of the things that we aren't very comfortable with is where we have to start. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things we hope to get out of the kit is even if we think the solutions we proposed are the ones that are effective like we've done the research the things that these are the things that will bring about tangible change in these environments. But even if we pretend that's not the case, we still think this will be really beneficial because at least people of color will feel like they're being heard. that they are able to do something about it and that's exactly what you were just saying. And if we could just say something quickly about hopefully how teachers would be able to use this kit and how they could maybe come in to support us is I guess encouraging students to maybe have a look at it, maybe bringing this up in discussions when it comes to what to talk about in assembly or issues that the school community could discuss in relation to values like equality. That would be great. Just anything to really spread the word. about the kit would be fantastic. Are you hoping that this is something that individuals will pick up and use on their own? Are you hoping that this is something that schools will get behind and schools will potentially implement in some way or another? Like what is your hope in terms of how this is actually used? Yeah, like definitely I guess like yeah, yes to both. Like we would love to see individuals um sort of like pick up this kit and use it, but it would be amazing to sort of like see schools like actually like take a stand on this issue and like actually support it without sort of like trying to be low key about it just so that they don't get any backlash from say like you know the people who are higher up or maybe like the parents um and sort of like care community so yeah i'm going to ask something really like pragmatic if someone was to complete this kit how much time do you believe that they would need or is it not easy to say is it kind of more open ended i honestly feel like the kit itself is pretty flexible because there are certain actions that it's sort of like oh you can sort of like 
um, implemented. Well, I guess like by implement, it's sort of like, oh, it might only take like, I don't know, maybe a few days to prepare. And it's like uh, the actual delivery of it will be like a like within like a day mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. But there are also like options where it's like more long term. Yeah. I guess like the logistics of it all, it really depends on like which strategies you want to implement and sort of like what works best for your school community. Awesome. That's what I wanted to get to. So there really is flexibility about it as educators or as an individual can find the flexibility within it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Whatever I think matches the unique environment of your school community, because we don't know what that's like. And as an educator, obviously you guys have a better sense of what would be needed. So yeah, we, I think it's very modular. You can take pieces of it and focus on that. And it's also difficult to answer that question because in the society section, for example, in refugee rights, we discuss how we can potentially get better rights for refugees. I don't think that's a hand wave solution uh, that we can really put there. So I just wanted to get that very clear that I think that it's not just a matter of here's curriculum, off you go. You really need to be invested in it and understand how to utilize it as best you can with the particular situation of your school. And as you said, some things will be, you know, more about thought-provoking than actually coming up with any sort of solution, which I think teachers need to understand if they're going to start considering using this in a school setting. Last question for both of you is big life lessons. So at, what are you, 19, 20, about that? 18. 18. (laughs) Okay. So in your 18 years of life, what have been some of the big lessons you have learned that you can impart on the audience today? Sabine, I'll start with you. Oh, boy. Oh, I I feel so weird about this because it's like, oh, I'm 18. Here's some wisdom I learned from my 18 years of being on this planet. Um, But it's still still something and it will, you know what, it's a particular time in your life where this is where you're at and I think it's important. I think like the biggest thing for me would would probably be like don't wait. I feel like when I was like younger, it's sort of like, oh, um, I want to do something, but it's sort of like, I need to know every single, I need to know like everything before I actually do the thing. Right. But the reality is you're never going to know. Yeah. You're never going to know everything. Right. So it's sort of like, if you try and like consolidate like, oh, a hundred percent of like the knowledge needed for this task, you're you're just going to never move. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I think like, yeah, for me, that applies to like the anti-racism kit. I I remember it's sort of like, yeah, when we redeveloped it, like, I think like part of me was like, oh God, like, how do we even go about this? But it's sort of like, you know, like no one's ever done an anti-racism kit before. I haven't. So it's like, yeah, you're never going to know like absolutely everything that you will need for a particular task. But like, sometimes you kind of just, yeah, have to actually like get out there and do it because that is sort of like how you will actually know what you need to know well that's exactly right because so far there's no expert that's created this and so what you're going to do is when you start when you follow your passion you'll find the gaps in your knowledge and you'll plug them up as you go and so I think that's a beautiful lesson that you know I've had those moments myself where I'm like well I only have this limited experience I'm only in this position who would listen and I think that you're proving that people do listen and in fact, student voice and student advocacy is powerful, even if you're, you know, worried that you don't have the experience, because clearly look what's going on already. People are getting behind you. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like I feel like yeah, that's something that um pretty easy to be like apathetic and to like not do anything. And a lot of that stems from underestimating like how much influence you actually have within your community. So I guess like yeah, that's also like another thing to keep in mind. Like never underestimate like how much change you can actually make. I love that, Spina. What about you, Jin? Yeah, so I'm also not that sure, but um, I think one thing <laughs> is one thing is. Air fried sweet potatoes taste really good. I wish I discovered that earlier. Mm-hmm. Another thing is cold emails are really weirdly effective. We've got some crazy opportunities through the anti-racism kit just by, I guess, having the initiative to just reach out to people and to organizations and opportunities. I think people are more happy to like listen and help than you might first assume. So just like give it a shot. And I think like one thing from my experience just moving like i said is take the time to deliberately try to befriend and get to know people that are different from you i think Mm. it just firstly like is a lot of fun because you hear these crazy stories of experiences that you just will never have or have never had and it also i think is just good for kind of broadening your thinking as well because if you surround yourself with people that are just very similar you're gonna think the same ways and just like cement your your biases or your, your stubborn kinds of um, thoughts. I don't know if you watched, is it the social network? Not the social network, something, that documentary that came out last year that sort of tried to explain the algorithm of the internet and how you search. And that was one of the biggest issues is the fact that the algorithm works out what you like and keeps feeding you what you like. And the problem with that is that then you get a very skewed understanding of what the perspectives are around you. So I think you're absolutely right. It's important exactly. to understand people from different, yeah. That we attract in algorithms at least in person, hopefully, we can, you know, not do that. I love that. Thank you guys so much for all of your time. If there's anything else I can give you in terms of a, an opportunity or a platform to tell us anything else you'd like us to know about the anti, anti-racism kit, let me know. Oh, like anything about the anti-racism kit? something you kit? want people to know maybe in terms of, obviously I'll have in the show notes all the places that they can find it. Um, websites etc but is there anything else you want like as a shameless plug or anything like that for it before you go um not a shameless plug but I guess like I just wanted to like yeah just say thank you to all the people who've helped us develop the kit I guess like any news articles that pop up um you you'll probably just like see you know my face or Jin's but there have been so many people that have been like crucial to the kit's redevelopment. So yeah, I guess like, I just want to give a quick shout out to Elsa Chute Rosenberg from Hugh, because Hugh, um, it's crazy. Like we just sent like a cold email to Hugh earlier this year and we didn't really expect a response, but they have been like so supportive of this project and they have like mentored us and yeah, have just given us access to like so many resources and like people who'd be able to really take the kit to the next level. So yeah. Thank you. I have what about you, Jin? Plug, um, which is that Good. we're looking for um, young people of color to join us. And in particular, we're looking for someone to work on distributing the kit further and especially revising our content. Like Sabine was saying earlier, this kit wasn't just the product of our opinions and lived experiences and research. Like we had to consult people of many different backgrounds but we want to increase the diversity of our team and our thinking um, with the kit. And so any young people of color in high school or just recently graduated high school, we'd love to have. So if teachers are listening to this and you're thinking of a couple of students 
and they pop up in mind and they'd be interested, please let them know that we're looking for some team members to join us. Fantastic. I will definitely put that out. Thank you so much for all your time. I'm sure so many people will benefit from this. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Have a day. Also, I just wanted to clarify that I was referencing The Social Dilemma on Netflix, not The Social Network. Again, make sure that you rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening. Share on social media, tag me at Educating Laura, and I'll see you in a fortnight.